Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you reprioritize areas in your life. I'll also be interviewing Peter Lazaroff, who reviews his book, Making Money Simple, The Complete Guide to Getting Your Financial House in Order and Keeping It That Way Forever. This book is exactly what you need to successfully create a financial plan for your future. For more information about Peter, please visit peterlazaroff.com or smartmoneyquiz.com. You may also purchase his book on Amazon or in the previous guest products in both stores at either jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturday at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio, as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology, or simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com. Are you struggling to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long-lasting changes? Then contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well, and then we will look at the areas in which you're struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long-lasting changes. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and click on the page, Work with James. Fill out that form and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, Work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. Reprioritizing your life. We all have many responsibilities to accomplish each day. And of course, we've all said there's not enough time in the day to do it all. But when you stop and reflect on your schedule at large, how productive are you? I know there's been times for me when I think I'm incredibly busy, and I am, but when I reflect on my day, I realize that I had more downtime than I thought. And what I mean by that is this, the downtime was essentially things that I didn't need to do, but I did anyway. And because of that, it felt like my day was much more busy than it probably was. It's important for each one of us to take some time for ourselves. Self-care is one of the most important gifts you can give yourself because once you're able to prioritize that in your life, you'll find that you have more energy. You'll find you have more clarity of mind. Did you know that less than 2% of people can actually multitask? And the way they measured that was this. They would have one person accomplish one task, measure how efficient they were and how long it took them. They would take the same measurement with the other task. And then they would have the person do both tasks together and measured how efficient they were and how long it took them to do it. Turns out, when you multitask, you're not as efficient as you think. When you can learn to prioritize the things in your life that truly have value, you'll find that the other aspects of your life fall into place. A minor adjustment can make a major improvement. When you can incorporate some form of self-care, preferably at the beginning of the day, you'll find that it does give you clarity of mind. 
you'll find that the things that historically would frustrate you or historically slow you down don't bother you as much. It's very easy to get caught up in things that simply don't matter or simply don't have a great return on your time investment. Prioritizing the aspects of your life that you know are healthy for you will eventually get you to where you want to go. Years ago, I worked with this patient who told me that he did not have time to simply stop and think about what he was going to reply in a text. He was just way too busy and didn't have time to even stop and think about the consequences. Now, when you hear that, you may think, well, that's silly. How could he not have time for that? But the reality is we all have that same mindset. We often think we don't have time to meditate, to go on a walk, to spend time with our family. We often choose the things that we think we have to do every single day instead of prioritizing what truly has the most value. So my challenge to you is this. At the end of the night, reflect on how productive your day was. How much did you feel you really got accomplished? How much did you truly invest in your future? And you might be surprised that you focused on things that truly didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And once you start your day with self-care and really focusing on those things that truly do give you a great return on your investment, you'll find that each day is healthier and healthier. I have a fantastic guest today, Peter Lazaroff, who's going to talk with you specifically about how to set aside time to plan for your future. Because once again, a minor adjustment will make a major improvement. I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank you all who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology. I have been so blessed and honored by your continual support. However, I want to make sure that you don't miss out on anything exciting that's happening over here. So go to jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv and sign up for the free weekly recap. Each week, I will send you an email which has all the latest radio episodes, YouTube episodes, magazine articles, and self-help products specifically for you. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv and sign up for the free weekly recap. My guest today is Peter Lazaroff, who is a chief financial officer at PlanCore that manages $4 billion in investments for clients. Peter makes regular appearances on national television and writes articles for the Wall Street Journal. Today, he reviews his new book, Making Money Simple, The Complete Guide to Getting Our Financial House in Order and Keeping It That Way Forever. Welcome to my show, Peter. Hey, thanks for having me, James. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. You know, so many people, when they look at their finances, it can be such a daunting task. So I'm so glad you're going to be the expert today to really help us make this, this topic really simple. So thanks for joining with us. Of course. Now, how did you know that you wanted to get into this field? I have a very long, long story. Well, it's not a long story, but I think long, long ago, I was 12 years old. My grandmother gave me a share of Nike stock Oh, cool! and my birthday is December 20th. And my father is Jewish. My mother is Catholic. So we were celebrating Hanukkah and Christmas and my birthday always kind of got lost in the mix, but yeah. I have this very clear picture of getting this sheet of paper that said Nike on it and had, you know, cursive, nice writing. And I'm sitting by the Christmas tree. I'm thinking, what the heck? Like, this is not a good <laughs> gift from grandma. Like, grandma's <laughs> supposed to get me the cool thing. Uh, but ultimately, my grandmother talked to me a lot about it in the moment and saying, hey, this actually means that those shoes you're wearing, you're an owner of the company that makes that. And wow. I don't know if it was the fact that Nike stock, when she bought it for me, you know, seemed to always be going up or the fact that because it was splitting and sending me more shares mm -hmm. and I was making more money for doing nothing, I got really hooked on the idea <laughs> of doing <laughs> <Me too. laughs> something with stocks at a very young age. And I think 
that guided a lot of my decision making um, in high school and in college. And so when I graduated college, I went to work for an independent advisory firm as an analyst and a trader. Uh-huh. And a few short later years later, I started working directly with clients. And about four years ago, I came to PlanCorp, where, as you mentioned, I'm the chief investment officer responsible for managing a little over $4 billion for our clients. That's amazing. Who are families and individuals uh, just like you and me. And I have been really fortunate to, at such a young age, feel like I wanted to do something with, I'm making air quotes, with stocks and not <laughs> yeah. necessarily knowing what that means. And I feel like I, I got pretty darn close to doing just that. And I feel real fortunate to have had what was a young age passion turn out to be an adult passion. And I think a lot of both the writing of my book and what you read of mine in the Wall Street Journal or in Forbes or when you see on TV reflects that that passion still mm. shines through. I yeah, I can definitely I, tell. I always felt like one of my few friends who uh, who just loves their job and just dances his way to and <laughs> from awesome. work every day. So that is yeah, awesome. it's, it's been a fun, fun journey so far. Yeah, it really sounds like it. Congratulations. What was the need for this book? So you looked around at the world today and you're like, you know what? I really need to write this book. What happened for you? Well, there is no shortage of personal finance books. So mm-hmm. let's start there. I mean, it's not the world didn't necessarily need another one, but I felt like I had a story to tell. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my knowledge is highly technical. And a lot of what I feel like makes me good at my job is the ability to calibrate that message, depending on whomever I'm speaking to their knowledge. And so with the book, I wanted it to be simple enough where something extremely unfortunate happened to me that my children could Mm -hmm. know what I thought about money. I also felt like um, we do a lot of recruiting at PlanCorp from financial planning programs. So there are universities that just like a major in economics have a major in financial planning or have a financial planning school. And these students are unbelievably smart coming out from a technical standpoint, but there's no actual practical use of that knowledge. And so one of the targets for it was some of the younger advisors and helping them see what that knowledge is in application. And so that was a motivation as well. And then the final motivation I feel like is that finances definitely seem complicated to a lot of people. They don't have to. Yeah. And they're, and they're daunting because sure there is some real life complexity, but there's also just an unbelievable number of options. And I feel like it's something that while having a professional will result in a better outcome for sure, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's what they do day in day out, you could read this book and get the job done yourself. Wow. And my hope That's is exciting. that someone who picks up this book feels less intimidated, you know, is focusing on the few decisions that matter most and just starts making progress today. Because just like going to the gym or just like any skill that you try to acquire, the improvements are incremental and you don't really notice them overnight. Sure. But unlike the gym, if I want to go to the gym and have a six pack, I got to consistently go to the gym for my whole life. Mm-hmm. With your finances, you only have to spend like 30 or 60 minutes on one thing and then just let time take over and the power compound interest take over and you'll get that financial six pack some, you know, over time for mm-hmm. just having made a series of good decisions and kind of stepping back and automating it. And a lot of the book focuses on that automation and just trying to make it all as easy as, as possible wow. to make right decision over and over again. I, that's so that's so exciting to hear because yeah, I mean, hearing how you know you plan you plan ahead and then allow it to automate itself and that automation part of it as you receive those checks or as you receive that interest, that is very exciting for people. And once again, it doesn't make it as intimidating. Of course, I had a couple questions. You know, I've I've spoken with a lot of my my listeners here, and and in the past when I've had people who talk about finances and different different ways in which which there is their expertise than yours, but one of the main things that people ask is 
trying to live a life, but also trying to budget and also trying to plan for your future. How are people able to accommodate that or really, I guess, fulfill all of those financial needs that they have? Well, it's the ultimate problem where you're trying to measure the trade-offs between spending on yourself today Mm -hmm. versus spending on yourself tomorrow. And there's fascinating neural research that shows that the neural patterns in our brain think of saving for the future in almost the exact same way is giving away a bag of money to a complete stranger. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I mean, it's such a powerful thought. Like if we think our saving is like giving money away for, to a stranger, how can we correct that? And (laughs) I think one of the things I've learned throughout my career is that there's a lot of things deeply ingrained in our human nature that makes us bad with money. Uh And my goal is never to change those behaviors. Um, you know, if they've been the same behaviors for 200,000 years, I'm not going to change them. You know, it's just not going to happen. So how do I build a system that acknowledges them, but works around them? And you mentioned budgeting, for example, nobody likes to budget like <laughs> one in 10,000 people maybe like to budget and or stick with the budget. <laughs> right. Well, sticking to it's just as hard. And part of it's because you have to update a spreadsheet constantly yes. and it's unrealistic. So if I hit my budgeted amount for restaurants and next week, my best friend is going out to dinner. Everyone's going out to dinner with them to, you know, just celebrate the birthday, but I've hit my budget. What am I, am I not going to actually go? That doesn't make any sense, mm-hmm. but the book uh, describes a process that I call reverse budgeting that really focuses on prioritizing your goals. And I do talk a lot about mathematically optimi- optimizing the prioritization of that goal, as well as trying to optimize according to the research on the happiness that different spending gives you. Sure. And so once you know how much you need to save every month to reach your goals in the short term and the intermediate term and the long term, you just automate those. You you save, pay yourself like a bill mm-hmm. and then you just spend and you don't worry about the little line item things. And it's just a much more realistic way of mm. managing your finances the degree to which you can automate your finances today is vastly different than it was 10 years ago. Um, The financial technology available just makes so much more possible. And I know the system that I'm describing in the book is exactly what I did right when I got out of college and when my wife and I got married. It's the same thing I put clients through, but you can do it yourself nowadays because there are so many tools to allow you to automate it. Um, And I think that's a really key component behaviorally because when you automate a decision or a set of decisions, mm-hmm. then you're just making that good decision over. Exactly. Over Which then becomes a habit. Yeah. And, and habits are everything. We re- Once you have a habit, it's hard to break it. Yeah. And, and you know that. I, I know you know that. And really the, the key here is, okay, if we can take these very small habits that you don't notice at first, because you don't want to go run a marathon a day. You want to build up. Try to find something that's not noticeable and oh my goodness, does it compound over time into an incredible, incredible outcome mm. that can't possibly be ignored. In your book, you talk about the three crucial elements of building a strong financial house. Is this one of those elements? Yeah. So I would say, even though I don't structure the book this way, there uh-huh. are three things that can be grouped in, but I would say intentionality is one of them sure. where I spend a lot of time. The first four chapters are really in goal setting and how to prioritize those again from what makes the most sense just strictly from a spreadsheet standpoint and tax rule standpoint, but also the science of happy money, like what is going to drive those decisions and make you get the most out of it. So that intentionality and having a plan and creating a system, that is a really big piece. That's Mm -hmm. one of the three. The other is good behavior. So when it comes to 
a number of things, especially investing. Investing is mostly successful. Investing is mostly a matter of minimizing mistakes and saying the heck out of the way of compound interest. And so good behavior can be met a lot with automation, but it can be also met with a lot of checks and balances in your process. Um, and then the final one is typically just to stay the course. And that's both with your investments where making frequent changes is shown to materially decrease your turn with mm -hmm. your returns, which makes it harder to reach your goals. I think staying the course with some of the goals that you set and understanding why you set them, if you really go through it intentionally, you know, that'll help you. And, and also I think any part of a financial plan, it's not something designed to get you from A to B overnight. It is a process. Mm -hmm. uh, it is like a lifestyle. Just like if you have a crash diet, you're going to end up having trouble, you know, keeping the weight off, but this is more of a, a lifestyle shift the staying the course again becomes better with automation. Um, there's a book I love called, um, the, the automatic millionaire and you know, it, it, it talks all about automation, but I feel like that is limited to investments. You can sure. automate so much of your financial life that it allows the behavior, the staying the course, the intentionality really to be amplified in a strong way. When you go through the different stages of life, so you have, you know, as a teenager to your university, uh, some people get married in their 20s, some people in their 30s, they focus on their career, retirement, all that as well. When you look at your plan, do you plan for where you think your life is going to be at those times? Or do you plan for the, the current snapshot of what your life is like now? Well, I think you can do a little of both. Mm -hmm. When I have people do goal setting, one of the exercises I really like to have them do is just to close their eyes and picture some critical life moments. So picture the day before you retire or the night before you retire. Where are you? Who are you with? What do you look like? What are you wearing? What are you talking about? You know, try to really entrance yourself in that moment as you set goals for the long term. Um, similarly, like what is it the day that you drop your kid off to college or have your first child or get married? Those are what kind of get you in the right frame of mind because there's a lot of research that shows that when we're more in tune with our future selves, then we think of it less like a stranger, as I had mm -hmm. mentioned earlier. And so I think when you're focused on a plan, the part that keeps you in the present is you try to figure out, well, how much money do I have to put towards the future? And what are the things I want to accomplish? If there isn't enough money to accomplish what you want, well, then the planning process kind of focuses in more on the today than on the future because you mm -hmm. have to take care of yourself in the present in order to be able to take care of yourself in the future. So it's a dynamic process. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Sure. But uh, again, I think in the book, Making Money Simple, it's just creating a framework for regardless of where you are, getting to the right spot and taking those steps. And I think it would have been really easy given my career and the clientele we serve to not necessarily focus on his broad reaching of an audience, but I, I do think regardless of where you are with your finances, we all need to understand our money. Sure. And that's not always easy to do on your own. I am incredibly biased in thinking having an advisor helps, but um, it's well, also not rocket so science. Well, sure. Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> uh, but it's not rocket science. You know, it can yeah. be done on your own. Uh -huh. um, I think there's a large part of Wall Street out there that wants you to think it's so complex that you can't do it without their help. Yeah. I really like how you incorporate the visualization of where you are in the future. And that's something I really do um, with, with, my, with my clients as well, is when you create that, 
the visual snapshot, you really in incorporate all of your internal five senses. You know, we have a, our external five senses, but when we use those internally as with visualization, it causes an intrinsic change of I'm right there in the moment for whatever my future self may look like. And in that, that really solidifies and crystallizes whatever that memory is or what, not memory, but whatever that visualization is. And that's something that's very powerful. So I, I like how you do that. And when I hear some of the other things you say as well, it, it sounds as if you, you definitely use a form of psychology or ways in which to help people really look at the different elements of their life, not in a fear-based way, but in a very practical way, which helps them obviously achieve their goals. And I think that makes it more meaningful to the people who, who I'm working with. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the science, um, the behavioral sciences have gotten a lot more publication, especially once Nobel Prizes were given out for them. But, you know, it's, when I was going through school, no part of my training had any sort of behavioral component to it. And when I got out of school, there was a lot of books written and a lot of research out there that you could read. And I found it fascinating because, <laughs> look, we don't live in a spreadsheet, so you shouldn't you know, create a plan as if we do. And I think when my career started, the default for most advisors was to create a financial plan as if their clients lived in a spreadsheet. And I think that you see, um, you know, millennial advisors, Gen X advisors more embracing this behavioral approach. And I think it does get people to buy in and it makes it sure easier to stay the course. And if, I mean, we're all human and there's no use in trying to ignore that fact. And I think it definitely, everyone's different m money personalities as well. And when you acknowledge that, you're able to build a solution for the clients that works for them. And is I could build you the perfect portfolio and the perfect financial plan, but it does not matter one bit if you're not going to stick with exactly. it. Exactly. And so <laughs> you got to yeah, exactly. know the person. Yeah. It's really quite funny as well as when you, when you look at this overall, if you do try and make it, you know, a cookie cutter for every single person, you're not going to be able to do it. Anytime you set a goal in life, you want to make sure that you can accomplish that goal. So if you, if a person sets up a goal and then they keep failing or not able to accomplish it, they've literally have set themselves up. And so learning how to make it doable and and regulate it within the confines of who you are and your personality, that will always help you be much more successful. Yeah, I couldn't agree. One thing I wanted to ask you, the how often would a person revisit what their plans and the objectives are? What a great question. I So my wife and I fill out the same worksheets that I describe in my book um, and that you can download from wealthworksheets.com. And we used to go on quarterly money dates. So <laughs> talk about a romantic that I am. I would take my <laughs> wife out. But we both love to have drinks at dinner. There's no drinks at the money date until uh, we're done. Uh -huh. um, and we would go through the goals and we'd go through kind of the what's the equivalent of a balance sheet and a cash flow statement, kind of look through things and make sure, you know, that we're both on the same page. Because I think in marriages, money can be a huge oh, complication. And it, it's just a way to keep the lines of communication open. Now we have two kids now and we don't have time for quarterly money dates. We have time for dates, but not money dates. Mm -hmm. And I'd say we check it maybe once a year, um, with clients here, you know, they're coming to speak with us anytime between one and four times a year, whether that's video, me video meetings or in-person meetings or phone meetings. But I think that at a minimum, you have to look at it annually. Things change too much to, sure. to just ignore what you're doing. Um, job changes, uh, life changes, family changes. It, it's just, I think that if you're looking at it weekly, you're probably looking too much and even monthly and quarterly, maybe that was overkill. Um, when we have quarterly meetings with clients, we're never focused on every single thing each and every time. It's usually one component sure, of the plan, mm -hmm. but annually at a minimum for sure. 
That's perfect. And I think that's something that's really important because if you do look at it every single day, it's just like if you're on a scale, <laughs> a weight yeah. scale, and you're looking at it, you're like, it's not going down or it's not, you know, it's not changing. And that yeah, can be very discouraging progress as well. and you'll be discouraged that yes. there's no progress. And that's the thing with finances is it's so incremental. And if you only look once a year, especially at something like an investment account, well, one, when you look at an investment account once a year, you're less likely to see it be down. Mm-hmm. You know, markets go down all the time. And if you look every day, trust me, you're going to notice if you look once every year, you're going to notice less. If you look once every five years, you're rarely going to notice that the market ever went down. Sure. Now, that's a little unrealistic, but um, yeah, it's, it's a de- delicate balance. And again, you know, personal finance is highly personal. And if I felt like someone would benefit from looking more often, I would encourage them to look at more often. Whereas if I felt like looking was going to create bad behaviors, I might find ways to direct their attention mm. to other things sure. on a more frequent basis. Well, definitely basis. Want to, they want to feel encouraged as well to see that they are making the smart choices for themselves. Yes, of course. Well, Peter Lazaroff, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show today. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and to read all your articles and, of course, to purchase this amazing book, Making Money Simple, The Complete Guide to Getting Your Financial House in Order and Keeping It That Way Forever, where will they find this information online? Well, they can go to peterlazaroff.com and I will also encourage them to check out smartmoneyquiz.com in part because people struggle to spell my last name, but also what smartmoneyquiz.com does is it's nine questions. It sort of gives you some guidance on what might be the best place to start with your finances Hmm. today, given where you are. Um, And then you can also get to all the resources once you've completed that quiz. Excellent. And they may purchase the book where? Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere that sells books. Excellent. Well, my listeners also know that if you're not able to find the book one more time, Making Money Simple, The Complete Guide to Getting Your Financial House in Order and Keeping It That Way Forever, they may simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv in the previous guest products in both stores there. They may purchase the book there. Peter, once again, thank you so much for your wisdom. Thanks, James. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.